Good morning, family. Today is the last Sunday in the Christian calendar. While that's important, next Sunday is a pretty big Sunday. It will be the first Sunday of Advent, which means that it will be the beginning of a new church year. And on top of that, next Sunday will be Good Morning Family's 200th episode. Can you believe it? I've been doing these since 2020, and here we are 199 episodes later. Thank you for coming along for the ride. But today is Christ the King Sunday. Today, we remind ourselves that we are citizens of God's kingdom, a kingdom which supersedes all other kingdoms and empires. That being the case, as followers of Jesus, we need to constantly review and assess our values, priorities, and agendas, don't we? Do our lives align with Jesus and his kingdom? Now, before we rush to answer with a quick and flippant yes, let's take a moment to consider what Jesus thinks is important in his kingdom. Our gospel lesson today comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And today we hear King Jesus speak to us. Are you ready? Hear the word of the Lord. But when I, the Messiah, shall come in my glory and all the angels with me, then I shall sit upon my throne of glory and all the nations shall be gathered before me. And I will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and place the sheep at my right hand and the goats at my left. Then I, the king, shall say to those at my right, Come, blessed of my father, into the kingdom prepared for you from the founding of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me water. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your homes. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick and in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Sir, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you anything to drink? Or a stranger and help you? Or naked and clothe you? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And I, the king, will tell them, When you did it to these my brothers, you were doing it to me. Then I will turn to those on my left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you wouldn't feed me, thirsty, and you wouldn't give me anything to drink, a stranger, and you refused me hospitality, naked, and you wouldn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? And I will answer, When you refused to help the least of these my brothers, you were refusing help to me. And they shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, thanks be to God. Do you have a cross or crucifix on your wall? Or maybe on a necklace? If you do, all things being equal, I'm willing to bet that it's pretty plain, isn't it? I mean, it's probably not very elaborate, right? It's rather simple looking or realistic. But did you know that before the 14th century, the cross as the symbol of our salvation did not look like many of us know it today? 
Instead, 800, 900, 1,000 years ago, if you saw a cross or a crucifix, there's a good chance that it was probably encrusted with jewels. It was called a crux gemata, which is Latin for jeweled cross. Those bejeweled crosses were signs of Jesus' reign as the king of heaven and earth. And although crosses and crucifixes since then have generally been styled more realistically, thanks in large part to the influence of St. Francis of Assisi, the image of Christ's triumphant kingship is not completely lost. The Gospel writers stress the fact that Jesus went to his death not as a defeated victim, but as a victorious king, not as the last act of a dramatic tragedy, but as one of the last scenes of a well-planned love story. And like Christians down through the centuries, our lives are guided by our images. If our image of hospitality calls us to drop everything when unexpected visitors arrive, then we put aside our work and we share our resources with our guests, don't we? If we imagine that people committed to peace do not lash out in anger, then we try to live by that image. In similar fashion, our images of Jesus, the things we think and believe about him, guide and influence the way we live our lives. Each one of us has a favorite image of Jesus, don't we? Maybe you prefer to picture him as the good shepherd, or as a teacher who loved and embraced children. Others like to think of Jesus as a brother, or a companion, or a friend. But the glorious image of Jesus as king can be a difficult one for 21st century Christians, especially for those of us who get to choose our leaders and our representatives. We don't necessarily understand the separation of a monarch from the common folk. It's hard for us to comprehend that kind of royalty. But there is another side to the kingship of Jesus that is important for folks like us who live in a society that attempts to balance images of dominance and authority. And it's this, Jesus Christ, ruler of the universe, and at the same time, the center of our hearts and minds. Jesus rules our lives as our chief teacher and as the center of our values. His teachings, his ministry to the oppressed, his gospel of love, justice, and mercy, and his intimate relationship to God are offered to us as a model or as a pattern for our lives. But Jesus is Lord and King only to the extent that we make him and his way of life our central value, a value that overrides cultural agendas and priorities like wealth and power. Given this view of the kingdom of Jesus, the parable in Matthew's gospel today serves as the summary of Jesus' preaching ministry, where he clearly outlines what is expected of those of us who hope to share in his kingdom. The choice between the two ways that Jesus offered his followers is the same today. On the one hand, there are those who mock, overtly or discreetly, by arguing that the way of Jesus is hardly a key to conducting affairs in the real world. That if Jesus is king, then he's king on Sundays, or he's a king of ceremony or tradition. He's not a factor when it comes to food, dignity, freedom, and peace. On the other hand, there are those of us who are convinced that the kingship of Jesus is not in the remote past, his kingdom is now. Not in the realm of religious imagination, 
but in the substance of human affairs on every level of complexity and risk. That is the kingship of Jesus the Christ. And it's a different kind of kingship. It's a different mode of government from what we're used to. It's the rule of a savior king who operates within our lives. But more than that, our savior king has the power to change oppressive human structures. Now, those of us in positions of authority, parents, teachers, clergy, managers, executives, politicians, frequently face the temptation to exploit the power of our personal context. But in our better moments, we can hear a prophetic voice telling us that there is power that does not depend on coercion. We sense that our world and our relationships do not have to be a series of power plays that drain our physical and spiritual resources. We can believe that our authority, our power, should be used for the good of the weak, and that judgment should be reserved for those who do not use power for good. That's why today we mark the Feast of Christ the King. It's an occasion, an opportunity for us all to reflect on Jesus and his message in relation to the entire human family. It's a time for us to consider this kingdom that runs counter to earthly kingdoms and kings, contrary to power and politics. So what are the implications of being a citizen of God's kingdom? I mean, if Jesus is our king, if he is the center of our lives, then how does that get lived out? What difference does it make, right? Do we share the generosity and helpfulness of Jesus's kingship with the people who live and work around us? How do we minister and care for people in our daily lives who are considered the least of these? And we just heard Jesus say that his kingship is found in caring for the poor, the sick, the hungry, and the imprisoned. So we should realize that we are called to help the last, the least, the lost, the lonely, and the left out, aren't we? We are called to speak for those who have no voice. We are called to befriend those who have no friends and to love the unloved and the unlovely. And sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's painful for us to look at people and to wonder how Jesus would respond to them without our feeling guilty or inadequate, isn't it? But one of the challenges confronting those of us who look for the coming kingdom of God is to face the issues of people, and even more painfully, to face our own participation in the forces that work against people today. But to be sure, we are expected to invest ourselves in the work of caring for people who are poor and underrepresented, needy and oppressed. We acknowledge Jesus' kingship when we put on the mind of Jesus. We participate in Jesus' kingship when we see the world, ourselves, and others through Jesus' eyes. We bring Jesus' kingship into reality when we love people the way Jesus loved them. Jesus is our king if and when we are faithful to building his kingdom and when we allow him to make us more like himself. Jesus is our king when we consider the needs of the whole human family. Jesus is our king when we offer ourselves as a gift wherever we find ourselves. 
In these ways, we allow the mind and vision of Jesus to rule our hearts and to rule our minds. Now, our reading from the gospel today teaches us that someday, when we stand before the King of Heaven, God will not ask why we weren't as accomplished as someone else. He won't ask us why we haven't done someone else's righteous deeds. When we stand before the King of Heaven, lesser sacrifices and lower allegiances will not be accepted. When we stand before the King of Heaven, what we will be asked for is ourselves and God's law and word written on our hearts. You see, Jesus did not die and rise again to simply make the world a better place. That's your job and mine. Jesus came to share divine power and glory to make the world a different place, to make it possible for us to not fear life or death if we know him and are committed to him. Christ the King Sunday calls us to make an unqualified declaration of faith that Jesus is the supreme ruler of our lives. As Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, so all will be made alive in Christ. And we end this Christian year and prepare to begin a new year by making a clear commitment for Jesus in our lives and in the way we live in this world. We cannot follow Jesus by default, only by choice. And I hope and pray that your desire is to be part of the kingdom and reign of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Teach us, servant king, what it is to serve, to be your hands and your feet and your voice in this unbelieving world. Teach us, Lord Jesus, what it means to give and not count the cost, and to see the signs of your kingdom all around us. Give us hearts of compassion. Help us to care for and about the last, the least, the lost, the lonely, and the left out. And now using words, debts, and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As always, thank you. I really do appreciate you joining me today, and I hope that these words were helpful to you. If they were, will you like, review, and share this episode? If you leave a good review, it will help other people to find and to benefit from these devotional thoughts. By the way, if you have a need or a prayer request, please leave a message in the comments section and be assured that I will be praying for you and for your need. Now, this week, your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Why? Because everyone needs love and everyone needs to know that God loves them. No matter what. Remember, with Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.